Please open your Bibles to Colossians 2. Colossians 2, we're going to be reading verses 6 and 7. Colossians 2, beginning at verse 6. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's ask the Lord to bless His Word this evening. Lord God, we come to You and we acknowledge that You are the author Lord, you know what these words are here to say to us even this evening. So Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, please gracious, uh, be gracious to us again this evening. Let us hear what you have to say to us. Pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine on your wedding day as the pastor is about to speak about what marriage is what marriage looks like for Christians. He comes up and he says, all right, you two. And I hope this this sounds uh, pretty ridiculous as we go through this. Uh, All right, you two. Um, You two are here today because you love each other. You two are here today because you love spending time together. You love talking together. You love just being together. And you guys dated And now you're engaged, and now this marriage is based on this love. But, and this is where it sounds ridiculous, but now that you're you're to walk in this marriage, your marriage is now not to be based on this love. Now, instead, your marriage is to be based on a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts. Now this, this marriage, instead of being based on love, now as you walk together in life, now, why don't you base your marriage on you as individuals instead? So, so both of you uh, do as much as you can uh, for each other, uh, but uh, only, actually, only do as much as you uh, want. Uh, do not uh, think that you have to do so much. So uh, try to get away with as much as possible. Uh, try to just uh, live this life, uh, live this Christian uh, marriage uh, as individuals. And we say, no, that sounds uh, ridiculous. Of course, that's not what a pastor would say. Of course, uh, this marriage that's bound in love, that was established in love, of course, as they walk in their marriage, that love is going to be the basis of their marriage. That as they walk, their walk is bound in the same thing that brought them together, that brought this marriage in the first place. And we see a similar picture here in Colossians 2. Paul is saying, you have this faith. You've received this salvation. And now as you walk, you don't graduate from Christ. You don't move on from Christ. But now your walk is based in the same thing that brought you this salvation in the first place. This walk is based in Christ. So Paul In the first uh, chapter and a half here before our text, Paul's given us a foundation. He's given us what this salvation is and who Jesus Christ is. And now in our text, in verse 6, we see a transition. 
We see the transition word, therefore, but even more importantly, we see a transition in the focus of what this letter is speaking of. Before verse 6, there are no commands. Paul is only establishing what this faith is. He's only establishing who Jesus Christ is. But now in verse 6, we see the first command, the command to walk. The command to, now that you've seen what this salvation is, you've seen who Jesus Christ is, now, therefore, this is how you are to walk. And Paul uses the rest of the letter to explain what this Christian walk looks like. How, how are you to live in accordance to this salvation, in accordance to this Lord? And our text in these two verses is the, the main point. Uh, this is the main point of Colossians as a whole. And if you understand this, these two verses, if you understand that your walk is initially and foremost in Christ, then you can understand the rest of the letter. And the main point is, is quite simple. Just as you have believed, now therefore walk. Walk in Christ. So as we introduce this, this is a command to walk. Walking here is the main verb. Paul is telling us, this is what you are to do. You are to be walking. You are to be continually moving forward in Christ. You are to continually be progressing in your love for Him, in your devotion to Him. That is what the Christian life looks like. It's not a sprint on Sunday. Uh, a, a holiness sprint. It's not, your sanctification is not supposed to be a sprint on Sunday, but then peter out by Monday. No, we're to be on a cross-country journey of walking in Christ faithfully day in and day out. And it will be a hard. Uh, the things of this world will try to pull us back. will try to pull us off to either side. will try to distract us. But Paul here has a command for us. He has a command for you today. He says, Walk. You are to walk in Christ. And as he's commanding us, as the Holy Spirit is commanding us to do this, uh, we can either obey him and we can walk in Christ, or we can not walk. We can either be stopped or more likely we could be backsliding. And Paul here tell, tells you today, walk in Christ. And this walking is <laughs> very important because the reception of this salvation in this Jesus Christ is absolutely useless if you do not remain in him. Belief that does not have an impact on one's behavior is useless. Faith has a corresponding practice. Paul here has just told us, this is what salvation is, this is what Jesus is, therefore... There's no breakdown. He doesn't say, this is what it is, oh, and now you should probably be doing these different things. Now he says, this is the belief, and now this is the corresponding practice. This is how we are to walk. So our first point today, this walking is one of receiving. Verse 6 says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And this receiving uh, is, a, is like a transition of teaching from one person to another, a, tra a transition of a tradition to one person or another. So if I'm teaching my son how to read, uh, what he does is he receives that information. He receives this information as true for him, and he begins then to be able to read. 
And in the same way, the gospel came to the Colossian church. They heard it, they understood what it was, but more importantly, they received it for themselves. They received Jesus' sacrifice to be true for them, to be real for them. And our faith in Jesus Christ is always a reception. We bring nothing to the table. Our faith is one that Christ comes into us, comes into our lives, and changes us. One of my privileges here at Harvest as a part-time intern is I, I get to uh, meet with people as they are trying to become members here at Harvest, and I meet with them and talk over their testimony and also what membership at Harvest looks like. And one thing that we hear over and over is a testimony that I was destined for hell. I was walking into damnation. But Christ came, and he stopped me, and he made himself known to me. We bring nothing to the table, not our initiative, not our abilities, not our good works. It's all Christ. So today, Paul is telling us that we need to live and do everything as a reception There is one who has made us new. There's one who has given us his spirit. There's one who loves us and who knows us. This is who we are to be receiving from. So do you want your life to look different? Do you want to end that besetting sin? Do you want to help your marriage? Do you want to love those around you better? No Know then that it is not your own strength, it's not your own initiative, it's nothing in you that makes us to walk in a way worthy, but it's all a reception from Christ. Look at the Israelites in the wilderness. Uh, We see that it's, uh, we we think that it's uh, ridiculously ignorant, that as they're walking in the wilderness, uh, they're complaining, uh, they're fearing, Uh, And they're uh, just grumbling about the whole situation. And we think, why would you not just turn back a couple chapters and see what the Lord has done for you in Egypt? How he saved you out of slavery with his powerful hand. And we think, why would you not think that this same God is going to be with you in your entire walk? Why would you be so ignorant that this God would not now continue to grow you, continue to sustain you and give you everything that you need. We think that it's ridiculously ignorant, but yet in our lives, how often do we think the same thing? That as we walk this Christian life, that we think to ourselves that it's up to us, uh, that, that we are doing, uh, that we have any part in our sanctification. It looks like it's ignorant, but it's also a lot of what we think, that our sanctification depends on us. Look also at what we have received. We've received Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul is saying you have not received just a man who came 2,000 years ago. You didn't receive just a good guy who had good teaching and healed people. No, you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. And today, if you're a believer, you have received the same Christ Jesus the Lord. You have received Christ, 
the promised Messiah in the Old Testament, who's going to come and reign over his people. He was going to bless his people, and he was going to destroy their enemies. This is who you have received. You've also received Jesus Christ, or Jesus. You've received Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully human, who loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. He cares for you, and he loves you. And not only have you received Christ and Jesus, but the Lord, the one who rules heaven and earth. Look back at um, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Paul, Paul describes who this Lord is. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the creator, the sustainer, the head of the church, the firstborn of the dead, where the fullness of God dwells, the one who made peace by the blood of, his, of the cross. This is who you have received if you are a believer. So why then would we think that as we walk, that our walk is dependent on ourselves? Why would we not depend on this almighty, sovereign Lord who knows us, who loves us, who's in control of all things, who knows exactly what we need? So first, let us walk as receiving from this Lord. Secondly, Paul says that we are to, to, we are to walk in Christ. We are to be rooted, built up, and established in the faith, and abounding in thanksgiving. That's what in Christ means. Rooted, built up, established, and abounding. And those first three verbs, the rooted, built up, and established, are all passive verbs. They're all things that God has done for us. These are things that, that Jesus has done for us. We did not do these things. We are being led by him under his authority. Uh, some, of, some of you might think that the title of this sermon uh, sounds a little bit weird. We're being led by Christ. It sounds like uh, you're walking your dog. And I think that's kind of the image that Paul is painting for us here. That we as believers are being walked by our master, that we're tethered to him, that we only walk under his initiative, that we walk under his authority. Maybe a, a more biblical image of this is shepherd, that God's our shepherd. Psalm 23 and John 10, that we get all of our growth from him, that we're nourished by him, that he's the one who keeps us, that he's the one who pre protects us and keeps us in the fold. So Paul gives us descriptions now of what in Christ looks like. The first description is this rooted. And this rooted is not an ongoing action. It's not something you do over and over, but it's a state of being. It's something that is true of you. It, it describes your daily conduct. And it's passive, remember. So Christ has rooted you in himself. And we know that this, this is the image of a tree, right? We think of Psalm 1, a tree planted by streams of water that produces fruit. Or Jeremiah 17, 8, which says, he's like a tree planted by water. And this water is Christ. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is what we are to look like in our Christian walk. We are to be being nourished and strengthened by Christ. 
We are to get all of our strength from him so that when the assaults of the world come, we do not fail, we do not fall, but we are held in him. We grow in him. We're strengthened. We flourish in him. If you're planted in any other soil, if, you're, if your Christian walk, if your sanctification, if you're striving to be more godlike, is, is ground in anything but Christ, if it's ground in your good works or in anything else, you will fail. First of all, you will not produce fruit. And second of all, when the assaults of the world come, you will fail. But Paul here says, you need to be rooted in Christ. And it's kind of ironic that the first description that Paul gives us of this walking is actually a description of something that's stationary, something that is not moving. So we've been rooted in Christ, and our entire walk should be one where we do not move out of his presence. As things of this world, as we, as we understand things of this world, they all come into this reality that we're rooted in Christ. We cannot do life outside of him. We need to do everything in his control. So let that be the state of our lives. Secondly, how are we to walk in Christ? We are to be being built up. And now this is not an, uh, uh, a state of being, but this is an ongoing action where we are being built up brick by brick, where Christ is growing us brick by brick. But we can only be built up if we have a solid foundation. Again, if you're building yourself up on sand, it will not take long before you will fall over. Alistair Begg says in his sermon, if you try to be a big, tall Christian all on your own, your walk will fail. As you, as you strive in your own initiative to be more godly, as you strive in your own initiative to end that besetting sin, to help your marriage, he says you will fail. You will fall unless it is founded on Jesus Christ. Our growth needs to only be in him. We need to be seeking him. We need to be coming to his word, knowing that the only growth that we can have is going to be in him. Thirdly, we are to be established in the faith. And this establishing, we don't really use this term much anymore, but this establishing, think of it as a, a child being as adopted into another family, a child being established into a new family, where everything now is different. You cannot live your life as if you were not adopted into this family. In the same way, this Colossian church has been established into the faith. They've been brought in to this faith. And Paul says here, just as you've been brought in, now you are to live in that reality. You cannot go back and live as if you are an unbeliever. You are established. This is what you've been made, made to be now. You've been transformed into this. So live in that reality. Live established in the faith. And the final characteristic of this walking, Paul says, is abounding in thanksgiving. And this should be the main characteristic of God's people. Others should see this in your life. Others should say, wow, 
John is a very thankful guy. Paul speaks of this thanksgiving six times in this very short letter. And if we are in Christ, this thanksgiving should naturally flow out. Paul here is saying, walk, and in that walk, as you are in Christ, you will be abounding in thanksgiving. As He is your beloved, as you are fixed on Him, as you remember what He's done for you, you will necessarily be thankful. And this is very countercultural to us. Uh, I, I was playing basketball with my brother a couple weeks ago at uh, the park across the street from my house. And we were playing with these neighborhood boys, and uh, it, <laughs> the, whole, um, the whole time we were playing basketball reminded me of what our culture really looks like. Uh, so no matter what we did in the game, no matter how we organized the teams, no matter any, anything we changed, uh, it only took about four minutes for the basketball game to uh, turn from a basketball game to just a grudge fest, uh, where people are just complaining and complaining. Uh, and it made it uh, very unenjoyable to play. Uh, but I think that's a picture of what we have in our culture. Uh, that when we're given blessings, it does not take long for us to see um, the imperfection in it and then to just, uh, j to just um, focus on that instead of being abounding in thanksgiving. But Paul here says, no, you're not to be grudging. You are to remember and live in the reality that Christ has saved you. And of course, if we're living in that reality, if we're rooted, established, and built up in Him, of course we're going to be abounding in thanksgiving. So as we conclude this evening, what does this walking look like? The sanctification. Paul's given us these descriptions of what this looks like. So first of all, if you're thinking uh, that you want to have this walk, if you're saying, yes, I do not want to walk on my own. I want to be rooted, built up, and established in Christ and be abounding in thanksgiving. If you want that communion with God, knowing that it's not then about this list of do's and don'ts, it's about being in a real relationship with God. If you want that, then first of all, I have to ask you, what right do you think that you have that you can walk with the holy, almighty, sovereign God? Adam and Eve, we don't know if they actually did walk in the garden, but we can assume that they did. Adam and Eve had a real intimate relationship with God. They talked with God. God made himself known to them, and they enjoyed and glorified God. But when they sinned, they knew that now their sin could not be in the presence of this holy God. So when God comes in the cool of the day, they know that they need to run and hide instead of coming to God. They know that this sin has severed what they had. And God too, what does he do? He sees their sins and he casts them out of the garden. He casts them out of the temple where God dwelt. He says, yes, your sin is indeed bad enough that you have to be cast out. So their sin has severed this relationship. So again, today, if you're a sinner, what right do you have to want, or what right do you have to think that you have 
any reason to walk with this God. Well, we know that we have the beautiful right to walk with this God if his son's sacrifice is on our behalf. If his son died on the cross taking all of our sins away and giving us his perfect righteousness. So now, as we come to God and we say, Lord, please let me walk with you. Instead of him seeing our sin and saying, no, I need to cast you out. Instead of that, he sees our Christ's righteousness. He sees an adopted son and daughter. So as we come to him, he says, yes, I would love to walk with you. I would love to make myself more known to you. I would love to show you this salvation. I would love to be in an intimate relationship with you. I would love for us to commune all the time, daily. I would love that. Please do walk with me. Praise the Lord that we can come to him and that he has that answer for us if his son has died on the cross for our sins. Praise the Lord that that's the relationship that we have, that he's willing and able and ready to walk with us through our whole lives. And this evening, if Jesus, Christ, if Jesus Christ's sacrifice has not been effective in your life, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ actually did die on the cross for your personal sins, and if you have not received that, I just have two things this evening. First, that this salvation is a reception. That we bring nothing. That you offer nothing. We give nothing. We repay nothing. So first of all, this salvation is a receiving. Second of all, the walk. The Christian life is also one of receiving. Do not think that, oh, now that I'm a Christian, now I cannot do all of these other things that I wanted to do. Now that I'm a Christian, I have to do all of this list. The Christianity is just a list of do's and don'ts. Paul says, no. That's not what Christianity is about. If you're an unbeliever, know that Christianity is about being in love, being in a relationship, living in accordance to this Lord and this Savior who has died on the cross for your sins. Living in that relationship and knowing what he has done for you is the basis of your Christian walk. As well, if you are sitting here uh, and you have taken some notes, but you're ready for the list of things that, that I'm going to give you uh, that help you to be rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thanksgiving. Um, I'm sorry, but Paul gives us no such list here. Uh, Paul saves the list for Colossians 3. He says the actual, do these things, and you will be walking in Christ. You will be growing. Paul here gives us no such list, though. Paul here gives us the basis for what he says in Colossians 3. He gives us the foundation, the mindset that we are to have so that we can actually do Colossians 3. Without verses 6 and 7, if we are just, if we are just doing these lists of things, if we are just striving in all of these things, they are absolutely nothing if we do not know that all of these things are built and founded in Jesus Christ. So when you think of your salvation or your sanctification, do not think of a list of things. 
But think of Christ. Think of receiving him and living in him. So how are we rooted, built up, established in Christ? By knowing him more. By coming to his word. By seeking him in prayer. And receiving everything from him. When you think of tomorrow, and, and before I study this, my prayer at night uh, would usually have a part that consisted of uh, a list of things that I wanted tomorrow to look, or that I wanted uh, to look differently tomorrow than what happened today. So it'd be, uh, Lord, please help me to love my wife better in these couple areas. Lord, please help me to love my children better in these couple areas. Lord, help me to do my devotions better in these, this area. Lord, help me to spend my time more wisely. But after studying these two verses, uh, I, th- I think it's clear that that's not our initial understanding of what sanctification is. That that should not be our initial prayer. But our prayer should be, Lord, tomorrow, help me to love you more. Help me to live in the reality of this salvation more tomorrow than I did today. Help me to commune with you and speak with you more tomorrow than I did today. Lord, help this salvation to be more real for me tomorrow than it was today. And in that, in that prayer, we will love others more. We will love God more. And in that, we will hate our sin more. And in that, all the glory will go to God. So let that be our prayer this evening. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that this Christian walk is not about us. Lord, that we're not on our own. Lord, that we're not building anything on our own. Lord, but that we're tethered to you, that you give us all good things that your hand is mightier than ours, and that we are in you. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray, Lord, that in that we would love you more. Lord, grant us the grace to grow in you. Lord, grant us the grace to think of our sanctification not as a list of things, Lord, but to think of our sanctification as loving you more and more each day. Lord, be with us in that. We pray this all in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Please rise as we sing Trinity Hymnal 727.